Jeffrey Bartles, pastor of Judson Baptist Church, and you're listening to Mimi Reads the Bible. Welcome back to Mimi Reads the Bible. This is Mimi, along with Pastor Zach. I'm drinking Rev coffee. Noel got it for me. Rev. R-E-V-V. It's both a reference to my ordination, mm-hmm. and it revs you up because it's got extra caffeine. Oh, just perfect. Which is what I need. Yes. 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 How are you? I am just fine, thank you. Just, It's nice to be inside. I don't like to be outside because of the cold. It yeah. is very cold. It's got to be zero wind chill out there now or oh, something yeah. like that. Yeah. And, and I was the guy who was complaining. Oh, we haven't had any snow this winter. How come it's... Blah, 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 blah. And everyone's like, shut up. We're going to get it if you... And here it is. I thought it was my fault. I'm glad to find out it was yours. Yeah, it was definitely me. It was <laughs> all me. So we're going to finish up Ruth this week. Yes, we are. We left with a cliffhanger. The cliffhanger. Why don't you bring everyone up to speed? Well, uh, Naomi told Ruth to go to Boaz, and he and she had to lay down at, at his feet when he was asleep, and she covered herself with his robe. And What uh, kind of thing are you reading here? This sounds a little risque, if you don't mind me saying so. Well... No, that was the custom <laughs> the of risque. the day. Okay. There was no such word as risque in those days. So. It was, no, yeah, it's, it was a uh, feminine... Mm-hmm. I, I could decline that, though. Oh, you Risque, could. risque, risque. And so, then when Boaz woke up and Ruth was there at his feet, he uh, told her that he would be willing to redeem her. Because in a family, when the one a male died, the closest relative uh, could marry the the spouse who was left, and so he said, "I would be willing to do it, but there is a relative who is closer than I, and I'm going to have to go to him and see if he wants to redeem you, and if he." does well then he is the next in line but if he does not then i will do it and i will find out about it today and uh the other man the nearer kinsman's name was harold yes uh we know from the babylonian talmud they they tell us that his name was harold uh ben bill Harold Ben Bill. Yeah, that's the guy's name. And, uh, well, actually, we don't know his name because uh, he doesn't, he writes himself out of the story, doesn't he? But yes, I'm getting ahead of us. So, you are. Why don't you go ahead and uh, just, I can't wait one more moment. Let's hear the end of this mm-hmm. uh, wonderful story. Now, Boaz went up to the gate and sat down there, and behold, the near kinsman of whom Boaz spake came by, unto whom he said, Ho, such a one. Turn aside, sit down here. And he turned aside and sat down. And he took ten men of the elders of the city and said, Sit ye down here. And they sat down. And he said unto the near kinsman, Naomi, that is come again out of the country of Moab, selleth a parcel of land, which was our brother's Elimelech's. And I thought to disclose it unto thee, saying, Buy it before 
them and sit here and before the elders of my people. If thou wilt redeem it, redeem it. But if thou wilt not redeem it, then tell me that I may know, for there is none to redeem it besides thee, and I am after thee. And he said, I will redeem it. Then said Boaz, What day thou buyest the field of the hand of Naomi, thou must buy it also of Ruth the Moabitess, the wife of the dead, to raise up the name of the dead upon his inheritance. And the near kinsman said, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I mar mine own inheritance. Take thou my right of redemption on thee, for I cannot redeem it. Now, this was the custom in former time in Israel concerning redeeming and concerning exchanging. To confirm all things, a man drew off his shoe and gave it to his neighbor. And this was the manner of attestation in Israel. So the near kinsman said unto Boaz, Buy it for thyself. And he drew off his shoe. And Boaz said unto the elders and unto all the people, Ye are witnesses this day that I have bought all that was Elimelech's and all that was Chilean's and Malan's of the hand of Naomi. Moreover, Ruth, the Moabitess, the wife of Malon, have I purchased to be my wife, to raise up the name of the dead upon his inheritance, that the name of the dead be not cut off from among his brethren and from the gate of his place. Ye are witnesses this day. And all the people that were in the gate and the elders said, We are witnesses. Jehovah make the woman that is come unto thy house like Rachel and like Leah, which too did build the house of Israel, and do thou worthily in Epaphra, and be famous in Bethlehem. And let thy house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bare unto Judah, of the seed which Jehovah shall give thee of this young woman. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife, and he went in unto her, and Jehovah gave her conception, and she bare a son. And the woman said unto Naomi, Blessed be Jehovah, who hath not left thee this day without a near kinsman, and let his name be famous in Israel, and he shall be unto thee a restorer of life, and a nourisher of thine old age. For thy daughter-in-law, who loveth thee, who is better to thee than seven sons hath borne him. And Naomi took the child and laid it in her bosom and became nurse unto it. And the women, her neighbors, gave it a name, saying, There is a son born to Naomi, and they called his name Obed. He is the father of Jesse, the father of David. Now these are the generations of Perez. Perez begat Hezron, and Hezron begat Ram, and Ram begat Amminadab, and Amminadab begat Nation, and Nation begat Salmon. Salmon. It smelled like salmon, though. <laughs> salmon. Salmon. And Salmon, or Salmon, begat Boaz. And Boaz begat Obed. And Obed begat Jesse. And Jesse begat David. Bum, bum, bum. There it is. I get to the end there and recognize what this whole thing's been about. It's the last word of the book. 
Yes. Begat David. Dun, dun, dun. You know, I read that and I think, oh, such a one. You had me, you had me fooled. <laughs> what, what kind of... So, so let's talk a minute first about the, the translation, because it might have sounded odd to some people, because it was almost King James, but not quite. No. So what you've got there is the American Standard Version, translated in 1901, and I think it's my favorite Bible for sermon preparation. It's not my favorite Bible for devotional reading, for obvious reasons, one of them being, ho, such a one. Uh, <laughs> I love that. Ho! Although, you know, I mean, it's hard to translate that anyway. It's almost like, um, you know, in the in those old stories you read from the 19th century, it'll be like Mr. and then it'll be like an M and then a long line. And they won't mm-hmm. actually even, it, it really here he's like saying, hey, Mr. So-and-so. Like, okay. The, the author's going out of his way to not name this guy um, because he's not the point. But but the the whole thing there is very stilted when you read it in the ASV. And I confess it was maybe a dumb idea because this is the exciting conclusion. And it could have run <laughs> off a little more natural if we had used the, the NIV or the ESV or something. But you did a bang-up job. Thank you. The thing that uh, struck me was uh, in today's time with all the women's rights and such that... People could read it and find it offensive that he didn't just buy the land and everything that was Elimelech's and Chilean's and Malan's, but he also bought Ruth to be his wife. Yeah, it's verse 10. Mm-hmm. Also, Ruth the Moabite, the widow of Marlon, I have bought to be my wife. To pepper me. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's not that that's... Uh... And it's not... And I always, as a little girl, found this story... You know, like, oh, and never thinking that it would be insulting to think that a man would have bought because he really did choose her. And I think he. Well, yeah, but like if you if you buy a wife in a mail order catalog, you could choose her. That's still offensive. Is it? <laughs> Not according to some frontier romances uh, out there. Yeah. But but let me ask Don't this. Don't you then. watch the Hallmark channels? If... <laughs> If, yeah, well, they always turn out like they don't like him at first, and then they're like, oh, never mind. He's a big old sweetie. He's just, the one weird thing about him is that he bought a mail-order bride. But, but I mean, the word there, do you think, I feel like that's a, a deal-breaker as far as that's going to confuse people. Um, he didn't purchase a wife. No. He redeemed the land, exactly. and he redeemed her. Yes. And... In both cases, this is exactly what she had almost begged him to do. Exactly. And, and so, yeah, I, and, I, and I'm sure that there are, I, I know because I've encountered it on some level, the kind of feminist reinterpretations where mm-hmm. they try and kind of remove the the clear, most basic sense of it and, and do some funny play and make it say something else. And then there are those who would just condemn the, the book as being like, look how bad the patriarchy is. And on one level, yeah, look how bad the patriarchy was where this woman, if it weren't for, wow, the providence of God or luck or whatever, they would have been sunk, right? I mean, so right. there is some truth to that. And um, and yet God had prepared the heart, first of all, of Boaz, that he loved Ruth 
I believe, and I believe she loved him, and she came, and she did ask him to do that, and that's so cool that she came to him, and I, I find that, um, that she trusted Naomi to do what Naomi told her, because I, I don't imagine that that's what she would have uh, encountered in her own country. Hmm. And so she trusted her as she trusted her and her God. I mean, and so I would think that this was a very exciting day for Ruth as well as Naomi. Yeah, well, and she's she's just learning to trust. This is a new, new, mm-hmm. new God who dis. Uh, is what she said when she mm-hmm. lay down at his, his feet. No, it's not. But, uh, you know, the, the notion of kinsman redeemer, it, it's, you can't lose it and say, oh, that's just some n- nasty old uh, patriarchal thing from the Old Testament that we should distance ourselves from. It is the picture for us of Christ. And when he came and she said, you know, will you redeem me? Uh, that means he had to buy the land. Now, it's a portion of land. These, these um, Elimelech and the two kinsmen, Boaz and the other guy, and someone else and someone else, probably their land's all together. Mm-hmm. They've portioned it out. So the, probably the two adjoining parcels were Boaz's and this guy's. And he says, I'll buy it, and that's a good deal. That increases your holdings. And, and, and Boaz then says, but wait a minute. It's like a reverse Ginsu knife commercial, right? <laughs> but wait, there's more. Before we do the deal, and by that I mean signing this contract, and by signing this contract I mean handing me your shoe, uh, before we do that, one more thing. On the day that you buy the land and increase your holdings, you're also going to marry this woman. Um, we had sort of talked about this last time, and you agreed with me that this is Boaz being literally the worst salesman he can be. Yes, you know, you could have this land. Oh, but if you take the land, then you have to take Ruth to the, the Moabites. I'm sure he didn't say that beautiful young Ruth. He, Even though everyone knew she was pretty, probably, right? Mm-hmm. That was what she was. And, and a very you know faithful and, and just upright, righteous woman. Uh, and, and yes, she is someone to be married. But remember, this is a like a, a variation on Leverite marriage. This is a near kinsman, not a brother, it doesn't seem. But still, those kids, I mean, end of the day, when the, the uh, portion of the inheritance goes from this guy down to the children he might have with Ruth, and part of the, the responsibility is to try and, and, and uh, bear children with her, uh, that would be known as not his uh, family's uh, inheritance, but actually it would be known as the inheritance of uh, Maclon because, uh, and, and or the Elimelech line continuing oh, okay. on because he's he's standing in, uh, in that way. Uh, I may be wrong on that. I remember reading a lot about this and and finding that it was a little bit fuzzy, but that's my understanding. And so the guys like I've already got uh, my own children. Seemingly, we're not told much about his life. But he's seemingly there's somebody else who's going to get his inheritance, and he doesn't want it divided. He doesn't want it uh, diluted. He wants it all to go to continue in his line and continue to make his name great. Mm-hmm. What are some applications for this today, I wonder? Well, I guess that 
he was trying to protect something that he thought was more valuable. And um, so he was willing to forgo this one thing that he did not value as, as important as much as what he already had and what he could lose. Right, so it goes from gaining your life, okay. right, in, in order to, to, this is how the deal goes in his mind, in, in the mm -hmm. eyes of the other kinsmen, from, from gaining more to increase your holdings, increase your yield, uh, a, a, a sound investment, to losing your life, uh, giving away some of yourself instead mm -hmm. of adding to yourself in order that other people might be saved, really, yeah. from, and... and so it's a it's a picture of what Christ is going to do for us, but it's also a picture of what Christ calls all of us to do. If you gain your life, if you save your life, you lose it. If you if you lose your life for my sake, you'll find it. And, and uh, at the end of the day, this this guy loses uh, any opportunity he would have had to have been part of something amazing. Mm -hmm. We got to talk shoes first before we before we move on. What do you think of this weird little custom? Did they? After they handed over their shoe, did they get it back? That's what I wanted to know. I don't believe so. I think he holds on to that shoe as evidence of... Like, so if somebody came and said, I never said that I would give him, you know, that land. And he'd, oh, yes, you did. Like I receipt. got yeah. your shoe. So there were a lot of people with only one shoe. <laughs> well, maybe you kept that one for a deal you made later on. <laughs> In, in that day, who knows, maybe you could just go down to your local tanner and say, uh, make me another fellow for this and, this sandal here. Because I was just thinking in those days, I, di I didn't think people had a lot of clothes or a lot of accessories. It shows you're serious, but, right? Yeah. So you would have to be really serious about it. I um, love how... It goes to, and the women said unto Naomi, Blessed be Jehovah, who hath not left thee this day without a near kinsman, and let his name be famous in Israel. And he shall be unto thee a restorer of life mm. and a nourisher of thine old age. For thy daughter-in-law, who loveth thee, and who is better to thee than seven sons, hath borne him. I love that she's not just better than a son, but she's better than seven. Which, when you think about it, Naomi's sons were not all that great because they obviously were weak and died. Well, they're still going to be good guys. <laughs> but she is better than seven sons. Yeah, yeah. And well, and it, you know, we've heard that language before. Mm -hmm. Only in that case, it was. Hey, honey, aren't I better to you than ten sons? In an earlier installment of Mimi Reads the Bible, looking at Hannah's prayer, in this case, she's better to you than seven sons, but she also is providing the continuation of the, the family line. And and so, she's, she's it's not just talk. <laughs> no. And, and it's nice that we end it with Naomi on a positive... Uh, on a positive note, and that um, we we not that we didn't know all through the book that God had not forgotten her or said, ha, "I'm going to get that Naomi," 
but that he was taking care of her and he was um and he had this great blessing for her and she remained faithful so she received that i've just been studying the end of saul's life and and it's kind of where in uh, samuel that contrasts between david and Saul, they both came to a ter, you know, a terrible time in their lives. And Saul, instead of repenting and coming before the Lord and saying, "What do I do next?" he went to a medium. And David, who had, you know, botched up many things, he came and fell before the Lord and said, "God, what am I to do?" And um, and how. When you are faithful and you trust the Lord, and I wrote down in my notes, I said, no matter how many times we screw things up, God is always willing to take us back if we are willing to repent and to, and to start again following him and um, honoring him with our lives. And he honored Naomi he he um, honored Boaz, and he honored Ruth. And what more of a blessing than to have the line of Christ come from that? And also free shoe. <laughs> did you see what I did? That powerful them. thing you just said, and then I came in with that smart alecky like tag on the end of it. <laughs> yeah, Who is the pastor here? I have to wonder. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was that was. Sometimes you're like a little boy. Well, that you know, you never want to lose that. Let, let me tell you something that I know because of uh, my my studies uh, as a pastor. <laughs> when you wanted to divorce a woman, uh, you would go to the city gate, or when she wanted to divorce you, and the way that that transaction went was the magistrate would tell her to loosen your the thong of your sandal. Um, which was kind of humiliating for her. She'd take off your shoe, then she'd spit in your face. It's kind of humiliating for the man. And then the magistrate would hang on to the shoe as as like evidence. Like so, so these magistrates probably had like whole storerooms full of shoes. Hmm. Uh, you know, the, from the the result of of ancient Near East divorce court. I, I don't know. But is that really true? It's absolutely true. Spit in the face. In fact, I think Josephus uh, indicates that some of that happened in the in the case of Ruth. Um, you know, sometimes these things get. I wish I had confused. known that uh, about divorce. You, you, Not that I would have you, used <laughs> it personally, but it's a nice thought. Well, you got to take off somebody's <laughs> shoe then as well. Um, <laughs> is there anything grosser than people's shoes? That's my question. Their sock. <laughs> Let me ask one more thing too before we before we wrap it up, and that is, what do you think of this blessing? Uh, may this house be, and this is in verse eleven. This is uh, at the the gate. The elders are there, and they say, "We're witnesses." May the the Lord make the woman who is coming into your house like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the house of Israel. May you act worthily in Ephrathah and be renowned in Bethlehem, and may your house be like the house of Perez whom Tamar bore to Judah. And, and of course, so Rachel and Leah, they had their own like squad feud thing going on. But for the most part, we think matriarchs, mm-hmm. right? These are, these are like lifted up mm-hmm. uh, characters. But then we get down to Tamar. And I mean, what is, you remember the circumstances of, of Tamar bearing a son to Judah, right? 
Oh, you don't remember this story? Maybe Apparently we got to read this not. one. Uh, ha, 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 ha. Maybe we got to read this one next week. I don't know. It's 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 it's, it's tawdry. This is risqueer. Risqueer. <laughs> uh, Disclaimer, see. Jacob. Blah blah blah. Judah's gotta be way here near the end, right? Um, you, so basically, you're telling me that that providentially you opened randomly to exactly what I was trying to find. <laughs> Let's switch Bibles, and you can read out of the New International Version. This is the 2011, uh, and uh, we've read through that a few times. This is a long passage, but uh, 20 verses. Re- read that for us, if you would, and and this will give you a little insight into what they're talking about when they say, "May the house be like the house of Perez." Okay. It happened at that time that Judah went down from his brothers and, re- and turned aside to a certain Adolamite, whose name was Hira. There Judah saw the daughter of a certain Canaanite, whose name was Shua. He took her and went into her, and she conceived and bore a son, and he called his name Ur. She conceived again and bore a son, and she called his name Onan. Yet again she bore a son, and she called his name Shelah. Judah was in Chezub when she bore him. And Judah took a wife for Ur, his firstborn, and her name was Tamar. But Ur, Judah's firstborn, was wicked in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord put him to death. And what he did was wicked in the sight of the Lord, and he put him to death also. Then Judah said to Tamar, his daughter-in-law, Remain a widow in your father's house till Shelah, my son, grows up. For he feared that he would die like his brothers. So Tamar went and remained in her father's house. In the course of time, the wife of Judah, Shua's daughter, died. When Judah was comforted, he went up to Timnah to his sheep shearers, he and his friend Hera the Adulamite. And when Tamar was told, your father-in-law is going up to Timnah to shear his sheep, she took off her widow's garments and covered herself with a veil, wrapping herself up and sat at the entrance to Enim, which is on the road to Timnah. For she saw that Shelah was grown up and she had not been given to him in marriage. When Judah saw her, he thought she was a prostitute, for she had covered her face. He turned to her at the roadside and said, Come, let me come in to you. For he did not know that she was his daughter-in-law. She said, What will you give me that you may come in to me? He answered, I will send you a young goat from the flock. And she said, If you give me a pledge until you send it, he said, What pledge shall I give you? She replied, Your signet and your cord and your staff that is in your hand. So he gave them to her and went into her, and she conceived by him. Then she arose and went away, and taking off her veil, she put on the garments of her widowhood. When Judah sent the young goat by his friend, the Adulamite, to take back the pledge from the woman's hand, he did not find her. And he asked the men of the place, Where is the cult prostitute who was at Enem at the roadside? 
and they said, no cult prostitute has been here. So he returned to Judah and said, I have not found her. Also, the men of the place said, no cult prostitute has been here. And Judah replied, let her keep the things as her own, or we shall be laughed at. You see, I sent this young goat, and you did not find her. About three months later, Judah was told, Tamar, your daughter-in-law, was, has been immoral. Moreover, she is pregnant by immorality. And Judah said, bring her out and let her be burned. As she was being brought out, she sent word to her father-in-law, by the man to whom these belong, I am pregnant. And she said, please identify whose these are, the signet and the cord and the staff. Then Judah identified them and said, she is more righteous than I, since I did not give her to my son Sheila, and he did not know her again. When the time of her labor came, there were twins in her womb. And when she was in labor, one put out a hand, and the midwife took and tied a scarlet thread on the hand, saying, This one came out first. But as he drew back his hand, behold, his brother came out. And she said, What a breach you have made for yourself. Therefore his name was called Perez. Afterward, his brother came out with a scarlet thread on his hand, and his name was called Shira. Oh, I had completely forgotten that. So first off, what a scumbag Judah was in that setting, right? Yeah. I'm going to go to a prostitute, but then if I think my daughter-in-law's been, quote, immoral, should be burn her? Um, What? And it, so what we see is this house of Perez is the result of cunning and questionable actions uh, by a desperate woman who really sees no other out. And then, of course, Ruth, it's kind of the opposite. I mean, it's not cunning. She doesn't try and pull anything over. It's simply uh, trusting in her God. But both of those women then... One of them is an Israelite, but she's stained by this scandal. One of them is very righteous, but she's stained by being a Gentile. Both of them are listed in the genealogy of Jesus. And that's very significant. Yeah, when you think about the um, that God really showed how he can make all things right. Because in the genealogy, there's Rahab. Mm-hmm. There's Tamar's. Rahab, who stand by both being a Gentile and the immorality. And that, I mean, it just shows the power of our God. That, you know, first of all, it wasn't a surprise to him that this happened. And he could use it for his good. Yeah. Well, at a a funeral yesterday, I was uh, comparing the kind of heathen religion hope that we would live on based on our own nature Mm -hmm. because I have an immortal soul or based on our own character because I was righteous enough. Whereas the hope of the the scriptures is that we will have eternal life, not because of anything in us, but because of God's character. And if you had any evidence of that, I mean, just start reading the stuff we've been reading. Mm -hmm. These these people, the only thing that differentiates them uh, from 
all the other people around them is that their God is faithful, that they mm-hmm. have thrown themselves at the mercy of, of a God who is faithful and, and just and he's not going to abandon his people. And when they fall away, when they repent and come back to him, he's, he forgives loving kindness. Uh, that the Hebrew word chesed, which means, you know, like covenant loyalty, um, that he will always accept them back. Like mm-hmm. you were saying, it's, it's just such a beautiful thing. And when you read a passage like that one in Genesis 38, by the way, Mimi skipped the uh, riskiest part. Uh, <laughs> you're welcome. You're welcome. Um, and you might go, what do I, what do I get from this? What do I take away from this? Yeah, at least Ruth is a nice romance story. Well, the answer is you, what you take away from it is look what God can do to redeem the lives of fallen, fallen people. Mm-hmm. And he, he is so faithful to his own. And it's just what a mighty God we serve. He can save Mimi and he can even save me. Mm-hmm. That is the real Amen. kicker there. Amen. Thanks for listening. We'll be back again next week, God willing. In the meantime, if you'd like to learn more about our church, you can find us online at www.churchlansing.com. Scripture this week taken from the American Standard Version, public domain since 1957, and the Holy Bible New International Version, NIV copyright 1973, 1978, 1984, 2011 by Biblica Inc. Used by permission of Zondervan, all rights reserved worldwide. And don't forget, God's Word is there to be read all the time. You don't have to wait for Mamie.